for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified podcast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we're back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Dolly Van Gogh. How's it going today, guys? Good, good. Thanks for having us. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for sticking with me. We had some interface issues. We had some microphone issues. We had some all kinds of fun issues that come with the live streams, but you guys hung in there, so I really appreciate that. Um, but before we jump too deep into everything, I want to thank you all for stick, or, um, coming in, hanging out. Um, let's kind of get a little bit of a background on you all, um, uh, kind of an origin story. Uh, who are you, like, individually? Let's kind of take that opportunity to introduce yourselves individually and what got you into music. Sure, sure. I mean, it's funny because you got the two people who actually have the longest history in the band, uh, even though Rochelle's kind of been in for a couple of years. I mean, do you want to start, Rochelle? With, talk about yours? Mine's, mine's a little bit more complicated. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, my name's Rochelle, and I play uh, the keyboard in the band. Uh, I also do some vocals as well. Um, me into music. I started playing classical piano when I was five. And then when I was 15, I kind of veered away from that. I, I went to uh, started focusing on vocals and went to school for that eventually. Um, Isaac and I had a band, I guess you could call right it a band. High school. In high school. Band. In high school, yeah. And um, nothing, nothing really came of that. Nothing at all, actually. Uh, and so that broke up. I went off to school. I went to study music. And Isaac continued mm -hmm. working, working on a band, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that, that's that's the gist of it. Um, so yeah, I'm Isaac Kent. I'm the guitar player. Uh, I founded Dolly Van Gogh. Oh gosh, like 11 years ago now, something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, the the band evolved out of. Well, I guess I, I'll start with my musical background. I started playing um, music as a saxophonist um, when I was in grade school. Um, and come high school time, I was kind of tired of it. Um, in hindsight, I was probably not tired of playing sax, but I was tired of playing like the kind of music we were playing, which, you know, it's the high school band stuff, right? Um, so not long after that, um, Guns N' Roses uh, came to, to Halifax, Nova Scotia here, um, and I took this uh, girl that I was into at the time uh, to the concert. I knew of Guns N' Roses, but, but she was like a huge fan, um, so go to that show and, uh, and didn't, couldn't have cared less that I was there with a girl, uh, ended up just, just absolutely glued to everything that was going on. Um, and this was like the, uh, people call it the Axel and Friends lineup, right? With like, uh, Buckethead and some of those, the guys from Chinese Democracy. Um, but still, I mean, for, I was, you know, I was a 17 year old, mm -hmm. Uh, who never, I've been to concerts, but I think the biggest thing I've been to was maybe Brian Adams. Nothing like this, like nothing with pyro, 
giant guitars and, and all this this kind of stuff. Um, and like, so the next day I get, I get back from this thing, didn't sleep a, a lick, go to school, come back home and go, uh, dad, you gotta buy me a guitar. Yeah. Like you have to buy me a guitar. You don't understand. You need to buy me a guitar. Yeah. Uh, and so by that Christmas, which is a few months later, he got me, got me the guitar and it kind of all went from there. I mean, I immediately went about trying to make a band. I didn't know how to play anything. Uh, I didn't, you know, because it, 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 was, it wasn't about just being a guitar player. That wasn't what I wanted. I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to get up on stage. I wanted to do that, right? And uh, so, you know, I had this, these little kind of groups of people who, who would hang out at school, hey, Luna, um, who were kind of music geeks. Mm -hmm. um, and then right out of high school, Rochelle and I uh, got together and started a band called Eight Days to Saturday. No, I was still in high school. You were so, oh yeah, you sorry, you're you're younger. <laughs> um, so Rochelle was still in high school. Um, that was kind of like a pop, pop alt pop thing. It was weird. I don't we, even know what you. Were but we recorded a song. <laughs> um, we won like a, a talent type competition that included recording time at a studio in Halifax. We recorded that. Um, so like we actually had and put it out. We have an actual release, which was totally bizarre. Um, especially in hindsight, but anyways, yeah, Rochelle went off to school, um, and, uh, myself and my then bass player wanted to keep going with music. And we already, even without Rochelle going to school, we were already kind of probably not going to make it. Again, we didn't want to do the kind of poppy thing. We wanted to get into hard rock. We wanted to play metal. We wanted to play Metallica, yeah. uh, you know, Guns N' Roses, ACDC, whatever. And, um, and that band was doing, you know, like, um, cutesy, I mean, cutesy pop songs. What's some of the stuff we used to cover? We did like, like ukulele covers and, and things like that. We didn't really do much, really, honestly. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot. I'm making it sound like it's bigger than it was. But, but, but it's from that band that kind of evolved into what became Dally Van Gogh. During that time... At that young um, age, even though it wasn't really that big of a thing, it probably was the biggest thing, especially if it you're- It mattered. It mattered because it was my first, the first group that I could call an actual band. Yeah. Like we got together on the regular, we performed in front of people, we recorded a song, like it was an actual band. But more importantly is during that time, I was writing a lot of the material that became the early Dallas and Go records. Yeah. Um, some of it I couldn't even play. I was writing it on like guitar tap programs and stuff. Um, and then kind of learning it as I went. Um, so yeah, so Dali Bango kind of evolved, gone through various lineups and things over the years. The, the more recent stuff, uh, there's kind of like a Mark One and Mark Two for the band. Mm -hmm. um, Mark One is that band that evolved directly out of um, Eight Days to Saturday and kind of was around up until about 2014. In 2014, um, we ended up going on hiatus to get a falling out with our singer at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, couldn't find someone to replace them. And at that point, we'd been going, you know, what we thought was pretty hard. Again, yeah. compared to what we do now, it's not. But um, for, for a few years, everyone was tired. People had lives. Um, the members, two of the members of the band had, had kids. Oh, yeah. um, so, it was, you know, life happened, right? Yeah. Um, so we took a break. Um, and then a year later, uh, my house and recording studio burned to the ground. Oh, wow. Uh, it was brutal. Yeah. It, was, it was crazy. Um, but it was uh, a wake-up call to kind of get things going again for me. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, I had, at, during that period, I started a, um, like an indie record label, um, was working in the studio, working with a bunch of different bands. And I, and I still do that. I recorded I, a second, a new single for one of them um, just the other day. Um, a band who I was working with back then, it's actually, it's funny, it's been years, but, um, but that kind of woke me up to, is this what I want to do? Am I happy doing, just doing the kind of recording thing or do I want to get back kind of playing on stage and writing these songs? And on top of that, you know, you go through a loss, like, like a house fire. Luckily there was no, nobody dies or anything like that. Um, I, myself and my then girlfriend, we had to jump out our second story window to get out of the house. Um, into a snowbank, so that was kind of traumatic, but didn't know how to process anything. Um, you know, you lose uh, everything you own. I lost 12 vintage guitars, and like, yeah. uh, oh, it was brutal, man. It was terrible. Like, like a Jimmy Page signature double neck, and, uh-huh. and like, yeah, it was just, it was bad. And then, and then you're, you know, things you don't even think you're going to care about. Um, you know, you take, take uh, for granted especially these days, you take for granted, you know, pictures, let's say, right? Um, because everyone's got everything on Facebook. But when, I, but my, I don't have any pictures of when I was a kid anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah. They're gone. They're gone. My mother's got some, but my pictures and my photo albums and stuff and pictures of me with my friends, gone. Totally gone. Um, and when I was younger, I didn't think I care about that. Now, it's, it's you know, it would be kind of nice to have. I could talk to, to if I'm talking to my band about, you know, oh, this this song's inspired by that guy I went to high school with. It'd be nice to be able to go, hey, this is him. Yeah. Right? And tell, I'm not making this person up. He's actually yeah. a lunatic. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so got the band going again um, in 20, uh, late 2015, early 2016. And then since then, it's kind of been, that I call that Mark II, mm-hmm. basically. Sort of like, you know, Deep Purple Mark II. Yeah. Um, but it's because... I checked with the, the previous guys from the band. No one was really wanted to come back. People had moved on and stuff. So it, other than myself, it was a totally new group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, we also made the decision to add uh, keyboards, which had not been a previously part of the, the, the band's sound. Yeah. Um, so fast forward now, and then Rochelle's here on keyboards. So 10 years later, after everything that, that has gone on, yeah. Rochelle's back in the band. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just joined. It's almost two years ago I joined, actually. Pretty I close. I joined January of 2019. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. Just as we were recording um, Under Her Spell. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she joined at such a time that, that she didn't even have time to do the keyboards. I'd already done them. Yeah. Yeah, I just came in and I just had to do some backing vocals and stuff. Yep. Yep. So it was easy for me to record. Totally. <laughs> My right. big part was already done. Mm-hmm. But so, so for you, I mean, this first, this single that we got out now and the songs that, that are coming up mm-hmm. is the first stuff that you were really hearing involved in the writing. Yeah. And you and you played the keyboards and yeah. you got a prominent vocal part and, mm-hmm. and things like that, yeah. uh, which is, which is very cool. That, I mean, that's one of the things, you know, with any band at any level, you know, here and there people come and go. Uh, it may sound like a weird statement, but this is the first song that we've put out um, that everyone who was involved in creating the song mm-hmm. is in the band by the time the song came out. Nice. Which I know that seems really strange, but it's actually true. Just because of life and, and everything that goes on, there's usually somebody who's who had a part in creating XYZ tune that had to leave the band for some reason. Or we've had, you know, we've had co-writers and things from outside of the band. Yep. Um, 
but but this one is I don't know special at least to me it's like that um I think it probably is for everybody yeah because I mean unless you're it's one of those things like especially in like a small town I've, I've experienced this a few times where it's like you have a group of like metal bands or hard rock bands and every member of every band has played with each other in each other's bands. Like, it's just like this rotating cast of characters of musicians. Totally, and it's just like that here at Hellback. It really is, it's, it's hilarious. Um, uh, especially for whatever reason within the metal community. Yeah. It's a huge, it's a huge thing. Everyone kind of rotates. The guys in Blackmore are all from like a hundred other bands. Um, and, and the fact that you were able to keep your band together long enough to record, release, and play, write, record, and release music. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. That's... It, it's great. You can go, you know, you could probably thank the pandemic for that because we couldn't get together enough to aid each other. <laughs> um, but, uh, but the song, yeah, Boneyard, which is a new single for anyone out there who's, who's tuning in who hasn't, hasn't checked us out. Um, Stop on everything. We dropped a music video the other day um, that's doing very, very well already. Yep. Um, but um, it's, the other thing that makes it special is, is the whole song was conceived of, written, and recorded during, like, the heat of the pandemic for us up here. Um, you know, the, the early parts of it were done remotely, and then once things kind of started to slow down for us in Nova Scotia, we could get together. We started tracking it, um, and we had um, – we're working – we worked with uh, Rob Laidlaw, um, who's a producer um, out of uh, Ontario and um, the bass player for um, Platinum Blonde and Honeymoon Suite, which are big bands up here in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, he originally, we were going to go down and, uh, and do like an EP with him in Toronto, was kind of what we wanted to do. Um, but then the pandemic hit, so that was kind of out. So he did it all remotely with us, um, mixed it with Adam Newcomb, um, and it turned out fantastic so it proved it proved that that concept not that there was any doubt that it could work but we did it yeah so now we know that you know even if things head totally downhill again we don't have to stop making music mm -hmm. um and producing music um not that we would anyways like i said i've got a studio and stuff but uh you know in a perfect world i wouldn't produce my own stuff anymore yeah i'd like to you know it's a lot of work <laughs> right doing the live and amplified thing uh my sound engineer and uh, there's a guy that kind of jumps between the video aspect of things and the audio aspect and they the two of them are in a band together and i was out visiting them last year and i was like hey we should do some videos because i ain't got nothing to do and i'm here so let's do this and he's like you mean i gotta record my own band and play and i'm like yeah like that would, that would be the, the ideal situation. He's like, I don't think I've ever done that before. Let me figure out the easiest way to do this. You know, it's, like, it's complicated, man. And it's, it's hard to have um, the right amount of, I don't know what the term is, maybe creative indifference. Yeah. It's, it's nice to have an outside opinion mm -hmm. on stuff, right? It's how you get a little bit too close to it and you go, oh yeah, you know, let's say it's with video. You know, oh yeah, we look like rock stars when really you look like goofballs, but yeah. nobody's telling you, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's funny for sure. Yeah, and like the cra even crazier thing is, is he's the drummer, so it wasn't just easy. It wasn't like 
easy for him to get out from behind the thing. It was like, like if he was a guitar player, he could just like walk over and hit record or not hit record. Right. He's got to get out from back the backstage, out behind his drum kit, climb over everything. And God. It's, brutal. Yeah. So it was brutal. Like, sorry, dude, but you guys have been asking, so let's do it. Make it work. Because I'm not going to record this stuff. I could barely do solo acoustic stuff. So mm -hmm. imagine if I tried to add a drum kit plus a bass and two electric guitars. It ain't going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> so. For sure. Um, but the music video you mentioned doing very well. I just looked at the stats. It's got 28,000 views, I believe. On Something nice. Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't checked it for a few hours, but it's, it's ballooning like crazy. Yeah. And that's a strictly something pandemic that you, or during the pandemic, you recorded that entire, or filmed? The, yeah, we did the video, when did we shoot that? August. In August. So, in, again, for in Nova Scotia, by then, we were out of the worst of it. And again, lucky enough, cross your fingers, we're doing pretty well right now. Um, but, we, but we were still out, you know, everyone had to wear masks and all that kind of thing. Um, but we went up to, um, there's an old r military radar base, mm -hmm. um, very deep in the woods out here in, in um, Enfield, Nova Scotia. Not that anyone's going to know where that is because it's friggin' nowhere. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we jumped, we piled all our gear into a bunch of trucks and went through the woods and got out to this place um, and, and shot the whole thing there with um, Andrew Hartland and Josh, Josh's last name. He had, a, he had an incident with it. Anyway, Andrew was the producer. Um, that uh, spent the whole, the whole day out there. And by whole day, I mean like, you know. Sun up, uh, sun down. The whole day, like yeah. deep into the night and everything. We were there until after midnight, and it was, it was a long shoot day. Everyone was cranky by the end of that, for sure. Oh, yeah. um, but it came, together, it came together great, and Andrew edited the hell out of it. He's done a number of videos for us um, that uh, – you know, he's, I mean, he's, he's been kind of our go-to guy, mm -hmm. um, in, in the last couple of years. Um, so we were very happy to, to, to work with him again. And, um, he gets our aesthetic, um, and kind of what we're going for. Um, so it's been easy. Um, so he had, he knew kind of where he wanted to go with it. We just had to kind of set up and shoot and jump around like Looney Tunes and, and and everyone feels it's so awkward, eh? Oh yeah. We ever, yeah, we ever talk about that much? Um, it's uh, shoot music, music video is weird, man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's weird. And you, it's crazy because you've got to know what you're doing when you're shooting music, like really yeah. know how to shoot a music video. Because I remember the first music video I ever shot, and like, I mean, like legit music video, not like a live performance video, like first music video. We had the, our, I thought the band just played the song straight. Cause I like, this was so early on into live and amplified. Like this was like six months before live and amplified was even a thing. And I always thought that bands had their timing down that if whatever they play live syncs up perfectly with their recording. So it's not that simple. It's not that simple, but the first, I did not know that the so this band that we were working with is this, was this band named Afterthought. They're out of Roswell, New Mexico, or yeah, 
we'll just say Roswell because everybody knows where Roswell, New Mexico is. Um, and there, we recorded their music video. I had them playing live because I thought that's how it was done. And then we tried to go and sync it up and nothing was syncing right. And I was like, hey, so why, why is there like a drum solo in, in the recording or in why is he doing a drum solo when there's not a drum solo in the recording? He's like, oh, we play it completely differently now than when we recorded it a year ago. And I'm like, are you sure? I need to know these, like, because yeah, I mean, you need to inform me, bro. <laughs> yeah. And so, it, like, he's just sitting there doing this drum solo, and there's no drums. There's like, he's going to town, and it's like, all right, this looks really weird and awkward. I have to figure a way to cut around this. And yeah, it's it, it's not a video that I promote that much. Yeah, for sure, for sure. No, it's 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 uh yeah, it's it's a whole different thing. I mean, we I'm sure there's di- different ways and different uh, approaches that people have taken. We we for that one ran everything into like inner ear monitors mm-hmm. of the actual recording of the song. And then we're basically mining it, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, we're all playing. We're actually physically yeah. playing the song. Um, but like, if you, if, if uh, at one point, um, our bass player was laughing at me because I was overdoing one of the guitar solo things and they can't hear what's going on in my ears and my guitar is completely out of tune, right? <laughs> so it's just, it's just like, wop, 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 and, and everyone's dying and I can't figure out why I take my earphones in and they're like, you just, you sound so ridiculous right now. <laughs> well, my keyboard wasn't plugged into anything. Right. Yeah, so no, no sound was coming yep, from that. totally. Um, so but yeah, it, it, but it's such a weird process because it's so, I don't want to say it's not creative because it is creative, but it's not like playing the song. It's nothing like playing the song. Even if you, when you're playing through the entire, doing a take where you play through the entire song, it's just, it's something about music. And I'm sure bands who, like this band who play live to click tracks and stuff, yep. it might be, seem less robotic for them. But for me, it feels so friggin' robotic and weird because we don't do that. And so our tempos and stuff can shift live. And like, like you said, with the band you worked with, there's things you do different live. Um, like on a recording, we have the ability to layer stuff and make things work live. You got to figure out what you're going to play. Yep. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's strange, but it's fun. And the, the most important thing is that the get, you know, once you can get past the, even the embarrassment or the bashfulness or what have you of, of the process, um, when you nail it, it turns out great. Yeah. I still have this grand idea of, especially, it, this is more timely than ever because ACDC just announced that they're making a return. I want to recreate the uh, Thunder, yeah, Thunder, th- the, the Thunderstruck video? Yeah, the Thunderstruck video, except instead of ACDC, have like one of the all female cover bands do it. Cool. Nice. So like Hell's Bells or uh, there, there's another one out there um, yeah. that does it. And then, you know, so I have this grand idea of just like recreating that entire video, but instead of ACDC, it's one of the ACDC cover bands. So. That would be rad. You want to hear something crazy? You ready for this? Oh, big scoop for, for everybody. This one hates ACDC. Can you friggin' believe that? 
I don't hate you, them. It's oh, come on. Man. You hate ACDC. No, it's around here. They play the same you yell at me. three songs <laughs> on the radio. Yeah, it, well, that's true. We've got a, a station up here, Q104, which is our big rock station in town. Yeah. But it's like, you shook me all night long. Hell's Bells, or not, or Hell's Bells sometimes, but you should go along, Back in Black, Highway to Hell. And they play all three of those three times a day. <laughs> Every day, forever. It's like, um, it's they made other music. Yeah. It feels like that. Dude, these guys love ACDC. The, when, um, when Malcolm Young passed away, mm -hmm. um, they played nothing but ACDC for an entire day. Please tell me they played the th same three songs over and over again. That would be absolutely hysterical. I don't know. When I heard they were doing that, I turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love ACDC. Um, the, my first, that first guitar I was talking about, ACDC yeah. Cherry Red uh, SG. Nice. That was my first guitar. Um, and I got this big giant, man, I don't have it here. Um, one of the few things that I managed to grab on the way out for the fire, this big, thick tab book that was everything ACDC had out at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and that was how I started learning guitar. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, yeah, but speaking of that release, dude, I'm excited as hell. Yeah, I've got, I work with a lot of uh, hard rock bands from Australia. Every one of them, the second it was announced, it was all, all of them, like in unison, shared it. Like, oh, I bet. Yeah. I friggin' bet. Well, it's, it's so, it's so cool. Because we thought maybe it was over. Yeah. Right? With all that, that, that craziness that went on with Brian, and yep. then Cliff Williams had apparently retired. Yep. And Malcolm passed away. So it was just, the, you know, it was looking like it was kind of, okay, we're probably done. Maybe we'll get a tour with Angus and some other musicians, but it's not going to be the same thing. But instead, we've got what, at least from all indications, is ACDC being ACDC yeah. uh, at least one more time, which is so cool. My one regret in life, musically speaking, is not going to see him when they came to Chicago in 2008. They, have you never seen them at all? I've never seen them live. I've oh seen. Oh my dude, I've seen them twice. We got them. I got them on the um, the Black Ice tour mm -hmm. and the Rocker Bucks tour. Um, so I got lucky. I got on the Black Ice tour. I got to see them with Malcolm. Yeah. Um, which so I can. I'm maybe one of not that many people who can kind of AB it with um with his with Malcolm's cousin who's in it now, right? I think so. Yeah. Something like that. So he's closely related to him. Yeah. Um and. Uh, you know, maybe it's a an aura thing, or it's just totally in my head. Yeah. But my gut was that not it's not it's it was great, it was awesome. But it's but there's something about Malcolm playing those songs that diff, was different. Something felt different about them. Yeah. Um, I know. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Yeah. Uh, I have this. Get one more. That little that little teaser thing sounds so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have this DVD sitting in my bedroom. It's the ACDC. It's like a DVD of like all their greatest performances of their various songs. And nice. the only thing I, I, I can't think of what it's called. It's literally on the tip of my tongue. I want, um, the only thing I don't Is it like. Is that box set that came out not that long ago? No, it's not a box set. It's like a dual disc thing. It, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the only thing I don't like about it is their the set or the performance they picked of Thunderstruck is of them in like 2004 at some random place. And it's like you couldn't have picked any other performance. Yeah, what about Castle Donington 1991 or whatever the yeah. heck it was? 
that thing's crazy and there's like a million people <laughs> helicopters flying around and stuff i don't know that's yeah. that's that's a strange choice i agree and it, so <laughs> just there, and like i used to watch it all the time and then now i just look at it and i'm like there's some good stuff on here don't get me wrong but the one song at the one performance they should be playing it's not it, it it's just and it's a totally it's weird one yeah that's yeah. hilarious <laughs> anyway, speaking off that, we're like totally excluding Rochelle. With oh, I'm friends. fine. Go ahead. <laughs> and it's like Angus is super old, and he's just not got his like swagger that he usually has. And it's like, yeah, well, I mean, and which fair enough. The guy's what 15 years older than he was when he put the song out, right? Yeah. Um, but that's yeah, bizarre. What a bizarre choice. I would have picked my favorite one's Castle Donington for sure. I've got the, the live at Donington D- DVD. That's probably my favorite ever performance by the band that I know of. Gotcha. Um, and that's all certainly up there. Razor's Edge is close to my favorite ACC record. Razor's, I, I really like Razor's Edge. Obviously, everyone likes Black and Black. Yeah. Um, For Those About to Rock is a great album that I think, I wish they played more stuff off of it um, when they're kicking around live. Um, things like, uh, oh, what's it called? Inject the Venom, I think it's from that one. Love that song. It's so gritty. It just kind of got that oomph uh, that ACDC is so good at doing while keeping everything kind of simple. But yeah, it's good. Yeah, absolutely. So you brought, we'll, we'll kind of get off the uh, ACDC kick here for a minute while <laughs> I frantically look to figure out what the name of that DVD is. Uh, sure. You mentioned like your first rock experience was, or like first rock concert was Guns N' Roses? No, that wasn't my first rock concert. That was my first one that was like that. Like, okay. you know, there's, there's, um, there's rock concerts and then there's rock concerts, right? You yeah. know, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Kiss, like these guys who put on these really extreme productions. That was the first one I've seen of anything like that. Um, Brian Adams, is a Canadian artist, he's, I mean, he's a, he's a rock musician. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when I saw him, he was on a stripped down tour. Um, he's usually a guitar player. He was playing bass and he just toured as a three piece. Um, I think my first ever rock concert was probably April Wine when I was like eight or nine years old. And that's, I mean, but that was, you know, again, it's no, no pyro or anything like that. Like no craziness. And it was, you know, as opposed to, 15, 20,000 people, it was five. Um, but uh, April 1 is still one of my all-time favorite bands. Uh, Miles Goodwin is, is, is a god, and we're lucky enough he lives here in Halifax. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and he's, and he's, you know, kind of, he's, he was doing the, we've got that Nova Scotia kitchen party group thing that, that goes on. He did a lot of live streaming in that, and, and, and um, so, so that was really cool. Um, but uh, but certainly the first big scale, super heavy production, and also sound. Like there's something to be said for like you know Guns N' Roses, a hard rock band. No one did they. You could not call them a a, a soft like well, not a soft rock band for sure. But even like classic rock, that's not really what they are. Hard rock, it's almost the epitome of hard rock, right? 
Yep. And so that kicked me off into all kinds of stuff. From there, I got into Metallica, which is, you know, into metal. <laughs> I went through, like, a phase of, like, I was super into Lamb of God. And, yeah. and I was like, just, oh, yeah, yeah, you remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I was so into Disturbed. Disturbed, I thought, yeah. was, like, David Drayton was a god. And, you know, this is when I'm, I'm kind of a teenager, right? But, yeah, D- Disturbed was a huge thing. Three Days Grace, things like that. Um, yeah, what about you? For your first rock show? Mm, I I was at like a festival when I was nine. Okay. So I was like with my my parents and my sister. Um, that was Big Sugar played there, Live played there, and Great Big C played there. (laughs) So that was my first like big big rock, but it's rock, but it's yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, sorry, Luna. I just about killed my cat. I was super lame as a kid. I I never really got to go to concerts. Mm-hmm. So I got a job and had money and it didn't matter, you know. Um, so my first concert wasn't until 2009. Okay. I went to... So what was that then? It was Metallica Death Magnetic Tour. But you do worse than that. Yeah. Dude, that's so I didn't I had never gotten to see Metallica live. They came to Halifax. And, I saw them. <laughs> I know, and at the time I didn't have the money. Yeah. So I didn't go, but so, I really wish I did. The reason that I'm so happy that was my first concert. So it was Metallica was the the obviously the main act, but they also had Machine Head was the featured act. And then this uh band called The Sword was like the opener. Okay. Over. And hey, did you say sword? Yeah. Oh, dude, I know sword. Oh, really? I freaking love sword. Sword's awesome. Yeah, uh, it was a big influence on on from Ashes for us, for real. If we're talking about the same band, or or is it sword? Let me look up their stuff. Sword. They 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 yeah, sword sword like they're like a proggy. Uh, all I re- all I remember about them, this was would have been in two thousand nine. They did only instrumentals. They didn't have. They didn't have a lead okay. singer at the time or something. But I remember them only doing instrumentals, and this one guy tried to start a circle pit, but nobody was having it. And they're like, he was trying to start this circle pit, and everybody was just like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Like you're, you're yeah, yeah, please leave me alone now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's um, hilarious. I will have to, because I have them, I followed them on Facebook, so I'll, after this, I'll send you the link on Facebook, and we can... Sure, yeah, yeah, I mean, double check. Dude, I swear, yeah, Sword, my drummer, during kind of that first record, um, turned me on to them, yeah. um, and uh, again, if we're talking about the same band, like, they're like, project power metal, like, they're just friggin', um, there were a lot of what we wanted to be at the time, yeah, um, yeah super cool band, for yeah. sure. But I remember the atmosphere was so electric and everybody was so hyped that we all went it like we were all crammed in the United or the United Center, not the United Center, um, where, what were they playing? The Sears Center. They were playing at the Sears Center. And it, the Sears Center isn't that big of a venue mm-hmm. for a metal show. Um, so we're all crammed in there. It's like me and my four buddies were all like this is the dead January Chicago winter. So we're all wearing 
sweatshirts and winter coats and like we're just nutted or booted up because it's like negative six degrees outside right we get in there there's nowhere to like if you whatever you're wearing you're wearing you can't take it off right it is so hot in there we all after four hours of just raging and rocking we go outside it is negative six degrees we all take off every ounce of clothing we have down to like just a wife beater and the snow is falling and melting on us. Like just melting. (laughs) And we're just all like, yo, it's like two in the morning. Nobody's going to bed because we're all just like so amped. You're too amped up. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 We did like that. Um, uh, after, uh, I mean, going to a conference, but our own shows, I can't sleep afterwards. I'm too hyped up. Especially if it's like, you know, we, we, there's different length shows, right? Sometimes we've got a really good relationship with the Canadian military. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get hired uh, a few times a year um, to go and play on, on military bases and stuff. When we do that, we play for three hours. Oh, wow. That's maybe a little different. I'm, more, I'm pretty tired after kind of giving her for three hours. Um, but if we're playing and we're playing with, like we're, as an opening act or something, we were going to be playing with Buck Cherry, for example. Um, the after you know you do an hour set and you feel like you just get wound up and yeah. then you're wired till four in the morning five in the morning yeah. um it's crazy it's crazy but i can imagine man metallica what was it like here for you rainy oh yeah which tour was it uh it was in 2011. so that, oh, made, that was probably still death magnetic because they toured yeah. For sure, they put off yeah. that okay. like five years. I, because I remember, I was in college. Like, that was like the last thing I did before I left for college, and right. then I went home in like 2011. At one point, my buddy's like, "Hey, we're going to see Metallica," and I was like, "Oh, they released another album." They're like, "No, they're still touring off Death Magnetic," and I'm like, "You realize we went to that concert like." three years ago, right? And he's like, yeah, I know, but they're still touring off it. And I'm like... Well, that's the thing, right? And especially with the way the industry's changed, um, you, you, in order to make, I mean, not that Metallica's hard up for money, no. let's be real here, but, um, but the way to go is you have to tour. You have to tour and tour and tour and tour and tour and tour. And that's one of the big problems with the pandemic mm-hmm. is that it's kind of shut down, uh, I mean, that whole industry and not just for the musicians. The musicians are one thing. Um, but the crew, like even a band at the scale we are, which, I mean, we're lucky enough to kind of, uh, we're starting to make some serious headway, but we've got crew who, who, uh, Zach Lacey, who's our sound technician, um, is, uh, uh you know, here and there, there's events starting to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's getting some work, but you, it used to be, you know, six, seven days a week. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, he, he's, he's collecting, um, social assistance. Uh, while while this is all going on, or the or the equivalent to it up here in Canada, right? Um, and because it's just not it's just nothing, and and I can't imagine, you know what, you, you know you feel it's easier to relate to someone like let's say uh, Metallica because you know you know their faces and stuff. Mm-hmm. But how about like James Hetfield's guitar tech? Yeah. Right. How's that guy doing? Yeah. It hopefully James is taking care of him, right? But it wouldn't be that strange if the guy was just basically unemployed right now. Yep. Right? Yep. Or how about the guys who haul in their amps? 
right? Seriously, it's it's a it's a big it's a big problem, um, and I don't know what I don't know what the solution is at this point. I mean, because we can't. I think we just kind of have to wait it out, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's unfortunate because it's going to be like I mean I guess it depends on how quickly we get a get a vaccine. I guess yes. technically before anybody's like really comfortable going out. Like I mean I'm comfortable now, but that's me. Like. If there was a sh- like a big show tonight, instead of doing this, I'd probably be at the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And so, it, it, you know, it's one of those deals where it's just like, I'm comfortable, but just because I'm comfortable doesn't mean you're comfortable, doesn't mean you're comfortable. You know, it doesn't mean everybody's comfortable. And exactly. they can't put shows on if only a tenth of the audience is going to be there. Like, that's yeah. how you lose money. You don't make money. Yeah, that, that's, exactly, that's exactly the problem right there. Is is that like again? We're lucky. I mean, up here in, in the Atlantic provinces, we had one new case today, and there's one active case out of the entire region. Yeah. Um. So like, we're about as low as you can possibly That's get. Four provinces. And there's four provinces, a few million people. Like, we're in good shape. But even then, on the, the issue isn't just how active the pandemic is. It's people's fear yep. of everything that's going on, right? And and like like you said, if you don't these shows don't work unless, unless they're sellout shows or near sellout shows. Yep. It's too expensive to, to put on, right? Correct, correct. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's going to be an interesting cup, next couple of years. I won't pray and, and, and hope we get those, the, the vaccines soon. Yeah. For sure. I, I've kind of told my guys, look, we got to plan on like a year. we got to figure out what to do over the next year. Like, because, I mean – the last six months, we've grown so – like, I went back and looked at our stats mm-hmm. back in March. The day we went into lockdown and the previous six months to this six months, and we've tripled, like, the amount of right. attention, you know, just tripled. And it's yep. like, okay, if we double down and do that for another year, imagine where we'll be. Just think. Well, that's the thing, and that's kind of we've, – we've taken that, um, that attitude, eh, is, is we, you know, our – what used to just be kind of getting together and rehearsing and stuff has changed to every single jam now starts with kind of a meeting mm-hmm. and, and about, okay, so here's where we're at. Here's the situation. When it, we do have some shows coming up, so here are the shows, etc. But the main part of the discussion is, so what do we do? What, how do we keep the ball rolling? Cause yeah, we're in a similar situation that, that things have kind of ballooned up for us, especially with the single and thing that's really recent, but, but even in the months leading up to that, um, and we're trying to make the, make the best of it because when else are you going to have the opportunity to just focus on your online presence, for example, yeah. right? Where you don't have to, there's no, there's at no point, uh, do you have to get distracted because you're going on the road for a month, right? Yep. And you don't have the time to just be sitting there, you know, pounding out these emails or whatever, but yep. that's what, but, but that's what we are doing now. So like myself and, and our drummer who um, was going to be here tonight, but couldn't make it um due to some some other stuff um we <laughs> every single hour we're not at like a day job yeah we are just constantly sitting there on the computer and send email after email after ever we've got in touch with you guys yeah. and it's just it's constant but it's but it's paying off right we're we're more popular than we've ever been even though we played one show since the pandemic hit right yeah. um so it's it's you know 
there's 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 a, some silver lining in, in here somewhere. We just kind of got to work out what it's going to be. Yeah. And it, it like I know your following on Facebook is really huge, but it like taking this time to like double down and figure out where you could be on like Instagram or as much as I hate using Twitter as much as it sounds like you hate using Twitter. Like Twitter has its place. Like you go, yeah. I know. I we talk about it a lot. Is you gotta where one of us is gonna have to bite the bullet and be the Twitter guy. Yeah, um, we'll do it. Well, I was supposed to do it. You were supposed to do it, <laughs> and then I forgot the password. Yeah. yeah, that's the other thing. How do we even get into the account anymore? Because we got like we got it all set up to like our our Instagram like auto post to it and stuff. So we don't have to be. We don't. I don't even know that I know how to log into it, but. Yeah. But no, you're right. Is we have to. Um, it's a good opportunity to kind of reassess all of that stuff. Yeah, and you know, it, it's just one of those times where it's like, okay, so you got to imagine, like, figure out how many hours you're saving a day not doing a show, and just figure yep. out. Okay, so let's say you're saving three hours a day. I don't know. I'm just throwing out a number. You're <laughs> saving three hours a day by not doing a show take those three hours and dedicate it to live stream something like just sitting there on Instagram chatting on something or, you know, whatever. Right. So I got you. Um, yeah. Well, that's the idea is, is, is that um, we, you should try and not have it be, um, you know, the number of hours that you used to put into the band when you had to practice and stuff to get ready for gigs, mm-hmm. that hasn't changed. Right, so it's just what you're doing with that time has changed. Yeah. Right. So yeah, exactly. What said. Let's say you know, let's say you would usually, you know, let's say, let's say even when you're not on the road, you're playing every weekend, right? Two gigs a weekend. Each of those gigs would usually take up, you know, you got you got three hours while you're at the venue. You got an hour set here, blah, blah, blah. Call it five hours. And those five hours, you should be doing something to to work on the music, right? And and uh, I mean, what we do at least, I mean, if, if fans out there are, are looking for a a formula or something and not that we have the magic formula or anything but yeah. but we just kind of uh, went about and assigned roles to everybody yeah. right so for example when the single was coming up um johnny our our drummer he handled the actual submission for the playlist process right and getting in touch with all these guys rochelle was um uh, was was getting all the contact information so we kind of created like a conveyor belt right so that everyone had something that they were working on that all kind of fed into the final goal, yeah. right? Um, it's not always fun, right? So a lot of this is kind of grindy leg work, but but it's 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 worth it, and especially right now when the industry is not in such a, a super good place, so the options of uh, of who you might be able to work with and stuff may, might be limited, mm-hmm. right? Um, who might be able to take some of those things off your hands? We're lucky enough. Um, just recently, actually, we just signed with. Um, uh, Eric Alper, who may you may or may not know down down in the state, but he's a huge, huge uh, name up here. He's a 16 time Juno winner. Um, so Junos are like our equivalent to the Grammys. Okay. Um, well, you know, not being the same thing. The Grammys are better. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather win a Grammy, but in any case, um, <laughs> but it's the Canadian Music Awards. Um, and so he's won 16 Junos for uh, uh, PR campaigns. So he's doing one for us now. Those like you know johnny managed to find this guy on the internet somehow somehow johnny managed to directly get in touch with this guy and we talked to him on the phone 
and this guy's some mega name. He's working with Elton John right now, right? Yeah. Like it's he's yeah, he's like not not frigging around. Mm-hmm. Um, and he worked and he's working with us now. So it's like you know that that's great, but that's an exception to the rule mm-hmm. at the, at this point, right? Um, and you know maybe I, I mean for all I know, maybe it's, it's it's an exception in both directions. Maybe the only reason he wants to work with us is because there's not as much happening, yeah. right? Could be. Um, but we're going to take you know, as much advantage of it as we can. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, it's just one of those things like right now, you could almost have anyone's attention. Like, yeah. you know, because well, like, I mean, unless you're like just running a business, everybody's doing pretty much the same thing or stuck in one place and there's only so much they can do. Like, the fact that bands or um, just like business people in general aren't reaching out to like just creating a list of a hundred people they want to work with and just reaching out to them be like, you know, and not like a spammy thing, but just kind of like, Hey, this is what I do. If you ever need anything, love to help you, you know, like whatever, whatever it is. And you're probably going to get 99 no's, but there's that one person that's going to say yes. You hit the nail on the head there. And, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> the idea is to be genuine, right? Yeah, don't spam them and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But, and that's what Johnny's really great at, eh? Yeah. yeah. Is he, just, he just goes and gets on the phone with these, somehow manages to get on the phone with them or gets their email address or whatever. And he's just like, hey, listen, I'm in a band. And we want to, we need professionals to get behind us and stuff. And like I said, nine out of times say no, but one out of, out of that thing, it only takes one, yeah. right? And we got lucky. We got this Eric Alper guy who's going to, going to, going to do it. Yeah. Um, That's how and I got So yeah, if you need a success story, there it is. Yeah. Right. Um, That's so, how I got uh, Fog Hat on my podcast. Totally. Yeah. I got Foghat. Um, I emailed his uh, Roger Earl, the drummer for Foghat. I emailed his wife back in March or April, like, "Hey, here's my story. Here's what I'm doing. Would love to have you on the podcast, or have uh, Roger on the podcast." And she's like, "Let me talk to him and see if we can get uh, something figured out." And I was like, "Okay, cool." So we got the schedule figured out. And I figured I had like 15 minutes with him because anytime I get anybody of any remote fame on the podcast, it's like, I've got 15 minutes, you know, you know, that's kind of how it is. And we just sat there and chatted for almost two hours. And I'm like, perfect. This is the most insane thing ever. Like just the guy that wrote or helped write slow ride, like just, you know, yeah, for real. Yeah. yeah. It must've been a little bit surreal. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's just one of those things like right now, especially when everybody's kind of doing the same thing, you need to be taking those chances. And you're, you're a walking example of how that works. And so, yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, so let, let's kind of jump back on Boneyard here for a little bit. Um, that's your brand new single. Um, is it ultimately working towards like an EP, an LP, or are you just kind of sticking with singles right now? Uh, it's complicated. We're kind of looking to do an EP, but at the same time, we're, 
we're using this time to really just try to get the best material that we can. Mm -hmm. So we're not, you know, we're not worrying about deadlines or anything that like that. We're not like, oh my gosh, we have to have like this amount of songs by this time, have it recorded, da 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 da. Um, we're kind of, you know, that's kind of the, also a good thing about the pandemic is, you know, yeah. everything is slowed down. So we're just, you know, we're still working hard, but we're, we're not rushing it. Yeah. We're also working smart. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, again, to kind of, kind of agree with Rochelle there. Um, originally the plan was certainly to do a, an EP with Rob, um, but that's not an option because we can't get to Toronto. And that would have been more rushed anyways because we would, it would have, have been for sure. blown out there yep. and only had a certain amount of time to do it. Yeah, well, and Boneyard wouldn't have happened. Exactly. Because Boneyard happened organically. It wasn't even the, the song we were going to do with Rob. We'd already sent him the demos of another song. Um, and then I, you know, I just we had to, recorded the track. We and recorded everything, everything and we were, we were ready to, to get it off to him. <clears> and then we came into Jam and I brought in the, the guitar riff and stuff. And Everyone was like, oh, no, this is probably the tune, man. And we were, I was like, really? And then John wrote these lyrics, and it's kind of, it just exploded from there. Um, it, but, yeah, it, it's, we, we do have something that's tying it all together. Mm -hmm. um, sure. On our website, if you go to the homepage, uh, dallyvangomusic.com, um, one of the first things you run into, there's, there's like a digital book on there mm -hmm. um, called The Testimony. Um, it's. Uh, a novel that I'm writing with some help from um, from our singer. It's mostly been me so far, but he's got a bunch of ideas for some future stuff for it. That's that's rolling out in pieces. So I, I publish um, a few pages every week, um, and it's kind of this journal of a I don't know a survivor of some kind. It's it's pretty vague on purpose hmm. um, because we're using this book to tie all the songs together. Um, so this character lives in the boneyard, whatever the boneyard is, right? It could be a post-apocalyptic world. It could be, you know, zombies. It depend, really depends on kind of where your head's at mm -hmm. on it. Um, and, and uh, you know, in long term, there'll be some serious revelations and things in it of, of kind of what we have in mind for the story. Um, but that's the way we're, we've been tying things together so far. Um, I think the plan probably, as Rochelle said, is is to uh, write the best material that we can, which we are doing. Yeah. Uh, we've got four or five new songs that we're going to be, I start tracking them this weekend, in fact. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. But we'll probably release them one at a time. Okay. As opposed to putting out an album. And even then, we're recording all these songs, mm -hmm. and we're already saying we're probably not going to use this song. We're probably yeah. not going to use that song but we have the time, so, so we're going to record it because yeah. maybe something better comes out of that song. If it's kind of a song we're like, eh, I don't know. But if we record it, something magical happens. Yeah, and it, special things happen in the yeah. studio. And we're lucky enough that I have a studio. So it's not costing us any money to get the recording done. Yep. Right? Um, yep. Or no more money than my overhead. Right? So it's just, you know, it's, I'm not going to upcharge the band. Um, but uh, but exactly, even the stuff that's like, I mean, the, we've weeded out the weak material for sure. Like, you know, as, but, but even the stuff that we're like, eh, we're not, I'm not so sure. We're exactly, we're at the point where, well, let's track it and see what happens. Because yeah. you never know once you start doing the layering and stuff, like maybe I come up with some sick guitar lick that's like, oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. Or, or Rochelle nails some high note. It's like, uh, that's going to make the album or whatever, right? Yep. 
So it's, it's um, I would say that it's, it's the whole concept is up in the air, but it's moving forward. How's that sound? <laughs> it's good. It's less stressful to like. It is. Because I remember with when uh, the last album under her spell, I wasn't there for the writing process, yep. but I was there at the end yep. where it was a, uh, it was a mad dash to figure out what was going to be the final song yep. on the album. And there were, you know, there was one on there that we all don't really like. We didn't want it on there, but we didn't really have any other options or the time kind of ran out. We, we did have another option, but it was mm. the, we, we, what we often do with our songs, especially that with stuff that's, that's self-produced. Because mm -hmm. um, as I said, you know, you get a little bit too close to this. We usually do like a focus group. So we'll, we'll, we'll record whatever, let's say it's gonna be 50, we record 15 songs, we're planning to put 10 of them on the record, right? And we'll get a bunch of, of people in a room um, that range in backgrounds and, and um, the relationships to the band and stuff. Some people who love rock music, some people who hate rock music. I took a um, random coworker. Random coworker from work. Who didn't listen to rock. Yep. <laughs> and get them all to listen to it. Yeah. And so that song, yeah, the song that she's referencing um, uh, has this amazing bass solo in it that everyone was like, it's so good you can't put it on the, can't not put it on the record. So we put it on the record. But we never play the song live. Um, I... And so, so whereas why do you think, now in hindsight. Why do you think it is that you don't ever play it live? Or be, compared to the rest of our material. Okay. The only thing that's good about that song, in my opinion, is the bass solo. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so it, it's that. Now that's it. It's not that we would never. If, if our fan base had, had connected with it, and been like, hey, listen, you gotta, you gotta play that song. Mm -hmm. Of course we would play it. But, it's but it hasn't happened. But it hasn't happened. Yeah. Right? So it's like, you know, it, it, it's one of our lowest songs on Spotify, et cetera. Like, it's just an obvious, to, to me, if there was a misstep on the record, it's that song. Yeah. I would have just cut it, and I think it would have been a better record. Yeah. Sorry, anyway, that's not <laughs> well, that, that, that's kind of the whole negative side of, like, albums in general like like you go back to the old days where it's like you had those cookie cutter songs that they just mm -hmm. put on there to make it a full-length album right mm -hmm. and like just because they were like contractually they had to get another album out so it's like okay well i've got like six good songs and then we'll just put four of this bs whatever you know sitting in the back of the bag and you know it is what it is but nowadays with like streaming and Spotify and all that stuff, you could release a six song LP, like if you really wanted to, and nobody would really care. Like if it's a strong six songs mm -hmm. or seven songs or eight, you know, like whatever. Yeah, it's perfectly reasonable. Or again, we're going, we're really leaning towards releasing the songs one at a time. Sure. They all connect together with this, this story that we're writing. Um, kind of, it's kind of like, a, you can call it a concept record. Like it's, you know, it's got it's got tie-in elements that are all over our website and stuff, right? But, um, but the idea of releasing your songs one at a time, I think, is very is very appealing now. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, as Rochelle said, the biggest thing is the lack of deadlines mm. is making the writing better. Yeah. Um, at least in our opinion. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what people think. We're not rushing. We're like, you know yeah. what? Let's rewrite that. Yeah. We'll rewrite this. Yep. Yep. Do this, do that. Like, yeah. Like even with Boneyard, when mm -hmm. we went to record it, there's a few lines where like, mm, let's rewrite that. But yep. if we had been in the time frame, just like, well, we don't have time, let's go. Let's that go. probably would have been the song. Or yeah. would have stayed the same. Yeah. 
but sure. no, we had time to, to work on it. Yeah, it. yeah. Um, and, and no release dates either. Yeah. So it's like, we, we, the only thing that we've said, and we'll continue to say, we're going to put out more music. Right? We're not going anywhere. But when that, we are, we're, we've kind of committed to, we're not going to put out more music till that music is ready. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, so it's not like we're not doing anything. We're no, definitely we working, yeah. but we want the, the best yeah. foot forward. Okay. Yeah. So we're gonna Which is going to kind of... Hold on to our secret. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Which was going to kind of be my follow-up question is, since you don't, since you have the lack of deadlines and don't feel the pressure to kind of continually, like consistently get music out and you have the time to kind of go back and rewrite things if you feel the need, at what point do you just kind of say, okay, this song is what it is? You know? That's a lot of that for me. Okay. Uh, honestly, usually at some point I kind of draw a line mm -hmm. and say, Okay, we're done. This yeah. is it. We're trapped. It's tracked. Especially where he's the one that will obsess over it the most. So yeah. yeah. Everyone just waits for him to say it's done. This is the one. Because he this will. He will listen to it on yeah. repeat all day, yeah. all day, like all day and night. Yeah. Just to figure out what what to change, what yeah. to add, and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, and it, I don't know if that's. First off, that's probably not healthy, but I definitely do it. <laughs> um, but. Uh, it's, it's related to probably the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm the connective tissue with the band over the 10 years or 12 yeah. years or whatever we have been a band, right? So, so kind of the buck stops with me on, on the sound and direction. Not that it, there's ever really been like some sort of a big disconnect. Like we're all very much heading in the same way. But usually, um, usually I'll draw the line. And it really comes down to usually when I feel like it's, it's ready in the studio. Because mm. so, for example, we've got these four songs that we're going to start tracking yep. um, this weekend. That uh, I'm not tracking them because I feel that they're already ready to go. Yeah. I'm tracking them because I'm aware that that stuff happens in the studio as well that might change the songs, right? And it's and it's a lot easier to like mess around with structure and things once you're in the studio. Um, so it, it's 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 a it's an ongoing creative process, but usually. I can tell when we're ready to go. Okay. Um, like Boneyard was, you know, for us, it came together so quickly. It was, it was obvious that A, this was the song, B, the melodies go like this. Um, we added that outro thing onto it, which made a huge difference. Um, and it just, once it was ready, it was ready. So I, I don't really have a, a, a specific um, criteria to meet or anything. Yeah. Um, but I, you could probably say that it's, it's, I'll draw the line when it's a song that I would, if I were not in a band, in this band, mm -hmm. and uh, were some Joe Blow, it's a song that I would want to listen to. Yeah, I got you. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, and the reason I bring that up is because I've worked with a few different bands that are so nitpicky about certain things. Like, we were recording a band, back when we first started doing, like, live and amplified, we were doing, like, live recordings and all that stuff. There was a band that we worked with. They were in the middle of performing their, like, this was, like, their last song. It was their oldest song. They're like, okay, we've been playing this song for the last 15 years together. It should be one take, and we'll be out. Okay? Cool. Perfect. We've already been recording for three hours. It took them 17 takes and it all came down to the last note. 
And instead of, oh, we fucked it up on the first time, we're ending on this note the next time, they just kept fucking it up and couldn't figure out what the last note was going to be that they were going to end on. And it's like, brutal, brutal. we'll just cut that out. Like, I, I don't get, like, this is 17 takes. You're wasting our time at this point. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah, but I, I can, I feel your pain there. I mean, I've been in studio with guys who, who record, re-record, re-record, re-record. That's not really what, what we're saying. I certainly, like, Rochelle gets the brunt of it sometimes, but uh, with me listening to it on repeat. But I, I'm a lot less nitpicky than you might think. It's Usually it's not things like that that are what I'm honing in on. Because I'm a big fan of, like, of live takes. And rock music has mistakes in it and all this kind of stuff. Like, and I'm not a... I'm not a go in and fix every little mistake guy at all. More so, it's it's more general stuff and feel and like even things like harmonic overtones. Like sometimes I'll be like, this is cool, but it feels a little flat. We need to, you know, we need, I need to put another guitar in there that's that's playing an octave up yeah. or what have you. It's things like that are usually what it is. More big creative ideas as opposed to nitpicking little things. Little things I usually I'll, I'll let fly, and that because that's part of what makes music cool is that things are different. Uh, you know, for example, in a live setting, and I've always said that um, a recording isn't like this isn't the final word on a song. This is a snapshot of what the song is at the time that you recorded it, right? Yep. Um, and we have we're with this is actually a really great one because Rochelle's the person who's who's singing on it on our website. If you go over our to our story. There's um, a section on there called um, 10 Years of Heavy Living. So Heavy Living was the first song I wrote that was like a galley team um, that has been re-recorded like 11, 12, 13 times over the years at various qualities, right? You know, studio quality, demos, live recordings, whatever. Yeah. Um, when we got to the 10-year anniversary of that and Rochelle had just recorded um, her version of it, which was our, our new big studio version of it. And we did that on the fly, too. We did. I didn't we even know the song the when I yep. recorded it. Um, but we put them all up on the website. Um, and it's a great kind of example of that because you can hear the song evolving over the years. Right? The, if, you go, if you go from version one to version to the newest one, version 10 or 11 or whatever it is, they're not even recognizable. But if you go one to the next, to the next, to the next, you can see how it kind of changes over time, right? Um, so it was kind of a cool experiment compiling all of that stuff. I've, I've been trying to be really diligent over the years in, in backing up data and, and making sure I have copies of every version of songs and all this kind of stuff. Because you never know, right? Hopefully someday we become big rock stars. We're putting out weird box sets and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and then people are eating up the like weird B-takes and stuff. Did, didn't Metallica do something like that? Didn't they release like a garage, garage tape or something like that? Or yeah, they did exactly that. It, it's the Garage Day stuff, which is just these old versions of these songs and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's very, it's really cool yeah. um, to hear the genesis of them. And again, some of them are barely recognized. The only thing that you can tell is that, oh, that guitar riff's the same, right? Yeah. Everything else is totally different because again, stuff changes, not just over time, stuff changes in the studio. You rewrite the lyrics, you change the arrangement, especially with Metallica. Oh. Um, like you watch these documentaries on them making records and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, Lars, Lars is, is uh, so obsessive over his drums and he's like, he's, he'll, he'll do a take and then he'll do like five more takes that all have a slightly different drum fill. And then he'll be A-Bing them all 
to, to figure out what the heck, which one he likes better. I'm like, they all sound the same. Stop saying grumpfield when I hear it. I don't get it, but okay. It's um, a, well, no, we don't obsess. Why don't you obsess over your drumsticks next? Why don't you change your drumsticks and see what happens? Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, so you'd mentioned something earlier and we kind of glossed over it, just kind of like flew right by it. Um, you have a pretty big show coming up here in November. You're opening for Buck Cherry. We we're, we're supposed to open for Buck Cherry. So yeah, um, that was originally going to be in March. Okay. Um, which no, is, May. May. Was it May? May. Okay, May. She would know. Uh, she she doesn't get those things wrong. Um, that it's uh, always, yeah, Buck Cherry was banned. Pardon me. I said it's always good to have one of those in your band that never gets the dates wrong. Oh yeah, she's yeah, she's on top of it for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, Buck Chair was doing this Canadian tour, and we were going to do some of the the Atlantic dates and stuff uh, with them. Um, that was through can't remember the company, but some booking booking company out of Toronto here, up in Canada. Um, anyway, so obviously the pandemic happened, so that got pushed into November. Um, so now it's kind of wait and see whether. Uh, because right now the Canada U.S. border is closed. Yeah. Right. So, so Buck Cherry is from L.A., so they can't even get into the country. Yeah. So even if even if we wanted to, we could. Um, what we've heard from Buck Cherry's camp is that 100% they're doing tour at some point. Once yeah. once it's possible, it will be a, it will be a go, and we will be playing. We're going to be opening for them. Um, it's not canceled. It's just it's not, not happening yet. <laughs> Um, and Buck Cherry is one of those bands that, that is, is a good example uh, of what I call a working band. Like, yeah. they're a popular band, but they're not able to sit on, you know, like Metallica with their back catalog and just collect those royalties. Yeah. They have to tour. They have to play yeah. to make money, to be able to support their families and their road crew and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, personally, I don't think that November date's going to end up panning out okay. with the way things are moving. Yeah. Um, I would expect or at least hope for maybe the spring. Okay. Um, the so as of a year after, like the next. So it was originally supposed to be. Yeah, the next May. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, that said, it's not Hopefully. like it's not like we're not going to turn up if it happens in November. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're excited. The show is. I, I believe the show was on the verge of selling out, and that's part of the issue too. Like you said you got to get X number of people into that room in order to make the show viable. And right now with the way the laws are and stuff, we can't get enough in. Yeah. Even with the, there's far more tickets sold than there is available um, capacity. Uh, capacity to get them into the venue now wow. um, with this reduced capacity thing. So they'd have to do two shows, three shows that messes with your tour schedule. Yep. Like it's hard to make it work. So I think we're more likely to see it happen once um, once some of the stuff slows down or we get a, a vaccine or at least there's a better handle on on even a better understanding of how community transmission happens yeah. and whether, you know, because it's not, they all say, you know, this stuff spreads in big crowds. Fair enough. I am inclined to believe the, the scientists. But we haven't had a lot of big crowds to test that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, they did an experiment in Europe not that long ago with the first big festival, and there was no transmission. So maybe our understanding of it is not right. 
Yeah. So as time goes on, we'll hopefully things will get figured out. Yeah. Um, but we do have a couple other big shows coming up as well. Um, yeah. You've got your October sixteen. We're oh. doing a big uh, release event, kind of a big kind of celebration party after all this stuff for the single um, here in Halifax. That uh, pretty much sold out at this point. If it's not already sold out, it's right on the, the cusp. Mm-hmm. Um, more applicable to kind of your viewers, we're all over all over the place. Um, we're doing a live stream uh, at the end of October, October 30th. Okay. Um, we're doing a, we hooked up with a company called SSI Audio out of Moncton, New Brunswick, um, that does these big international high budget, high production live streams. Um, I think they have some association with um, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Um, but that's going to be viewable from anyone, anywhere. And it's been something that we've talked about a lot, which is we can't tour, so how do we get in front of people who aren't here? Because, again, within Atlantic Canada, we're starting to be able to have shows, yeah. but we got fans all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. we got piles of fans in the United States. We've got humongous fan base mm-hmm. in Brazil. We've discovered that we've got this big fan base in Germany because of the singles blowing up in Germany, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, we can't get in front of all those people. So what do we do? Well, we have to do a live stream. So that's going to be happening um, October 30th. Um, details will be going up on our, on our Facebook and our website and stuff shortly um, with, you know, how you kind of get into it. Um, there's going to be uh, – it's going to be set up with, um, like, big TV screens where we're, where we're producing it, where we're going to be able to see your live chat. We're going to be able to interact with the people all over the world and stuff, which is kind of exciting for us. That's one of the big missing components. One thing to, to, to go and, and set up a, a camera and perform on Facebook – it's not the same thing as being that connect, direct connection with people. So at least this is a step in the right way. Um, the biggest show that we have coming up is, um, it's, the name of it's very long, but it's called the Alexander Keith Socially Distanced Music Festival. Um, yeah, I know, right? I don't know how that happened, but it's, it's the name. So, and we're on the event, so I, I have to, uh, my official stance is that I support the name. Yep. Um, but uh, Alexander Keats is a very prominent um, beer uh, brand from here in Nova Scotia. Anyways, it's um, the, the event's bordering on an experiment with, uh, with the Canadian government. It's the first music festival happening since the pandemic happened mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the country, as far as I can tell, certainly in the Atlantic provinces. I think so. Um, and uh, we got invited to be on it, um, and we're playing with uh, some – there's not a lot of humongous touring acts, because again, they can't get into the Atlantic provinces. Yeah. But all the big names from out here are on it. We got the Motor League, Alert the Medic, uh, Like a Motorcycle, ourselves, Andre Petipaw. Um, they got two stages on the go simultaneously. So like they're 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 doing they're doing it right. They're doing it as close to normal as possible. The one thing that they have done though is it is a socially distanced event. Yeah. So um, they've got the, uh, spaces are all gridded out and you're going to be have you're going to have groups of 10 and all that kind of stuff. But my understanding is that there's a few thousand tickets. Friday night's already sold out. Saturday's almost sold out. And they're putting thousands of people in a room. Oh, not in a room. Sorry. It's, it's, it's um, in a huge, it's an outdoor kind of event. They've got this ginormous tent. They call it a tent. Yeah. It looks like it's something you have to build. Uh, but it's, it's a heated structure. So, cause up here in November, it's going to be cold. Um, but it's a heated structure, um, that everyone will be able to kind of go in and, and have a good time. So that's, that's the biggest thing that we have coming up. But the thing 
too, to note about that, what makes that, like, it's not just going to be <clears throat> business as usual, no. festival-wise. Um, you can't buy individual tickets. Nope. You have to buy them in groups. And yep. I remember, uh, I think I read that the groups of two are almost sold out. Groups of two are, are sold, are sold out. Sorry. Yep. Um, so, like, then, okay, you can buy a group of four, because everyone's going to be separated, I believe, tables? Are there tables? There's, uh, there's a, that's unclear. Oh, okay. I, they were doing tables on both stages. I think there's now only tables at one of the stages. Oh, okay. But um, either way, people are going to be separated to the yeah. area. So it's not going to be like just a huge crowd of people no. um, intermingling and stuff. It's yeah. going to, same with our show coming up, coming up uh, October, October 16th. 16th. Yeah, that one's at tables. And we got a, we, we managed to hook up with um, Monty Showbar here in town. It's one of the bigger, better venues here um that uh they've been really great really supportive and, and helping us figuring out um what the seating plan is and making sure that we get as many people in the door as we possibly can um while keeping everybody safe right because that's the thing we don't want to risk anybody's health right and and even with things going so well here you don't know mm -hmm. right um so we're we're trying to be responsible while still getting up there and putting on a crazy rock show that's yeah, kind of cool I got you. No, that's what I was going to say for the Buck Cherry show. If you guys wanted to get like super crazy, do it outside. See what happens. Do it outside. Well, that's the thing, right? I, 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 but yeah. even then, they still got a distance. Yeah, they're still hero, but we've got, you, we have to talk with the, with the city about it. Like there's, there's, the, the problem is that there's, there's some little disconnect between our various levels of government. Like our federal government's got one set of rules. And then our provincial government's got another set of rules. Mm -hmm. And then our city has some rules that may or may not reflect what either of those two do, right? Um, and that's part of the problem. Yeah, I know, right? It's part of the problem with all of this. That it's, it's, it's kind of a big, confusing situation that a lot of people don't know what to do. Um, and, and They're always not, asking, what's the rule now? Yeah, it's not always clear, um, yeah, what the rule is and, and how to, yeah, no problem. Um, and how to, how, how to govern ourselves while not breaking rules yeah. um but uh i'm sure that that's being discussed the the uh, buck cherry going outside um yeah. again part of the problem is you have to look at the time of year because here if, if it's november may may is good if it's going to be in may but november no. there'll be snow on the ground when even may it's still hit or miss because i my birthday is may 31st right so i remember several birthdays that we had to cancel or reschedule because I was doing something outside. Yep. And because it was still so cold outside. Yeah, like, it's not a given. It's 100% not a given, yeah. right? I mean, if, if only we lived in California or something, right? But, um, but it, so it'll come down to when they're, when they're coming here. Uh, you know, I, I heard the other thing too, is I'm, sure, I'm sure they have their own concerns, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, as far as I know that the band's got, they've all got families and stuff and they don't want to bring something back with them yeah. either. Right. And so, you know, think about it, especially, uh, uh, you know, as a, a working musician, you're exposed every single day to thousands of people, mm -hmm. right? The average person comes in contact with hundreds every day, yeah. right? As a musician, you're in front of this giant crowd of people every day. So that kind of exponentially balloons out on what you're exposing yourself to. And it's funny because it's not something that, you know, prior to the pandemic, anyone ever really thought about, right? But it's probably something that's worth considering um, even moving forward after this is all figured out. 
Um, I'm not one of these, you know, here and there you hear people talking about, um, you know, oh, we'll never get shows back and, and things like that. I don't believe that for a second, and I wouldn't endorse that idea. No. no. Um, but I think it, it, I think it is worth, I think it's good that we're having the conversations. Yep. And that, that we're thinking about more than just how many people can we cram into a room and make as much money as possible. That yeah. we're thinking about people's safety. Because even, not just with a pandemic, like you, some of these big festivals, you get people, they have heat stroke, or they get, there's people who've been trampled to death, and things. Like, there's, there's legitimate concerns that it's probably worth figuring out a way to do these events while mitigating some of them, right? Yeah. Yep, yep, very true. You know, it's, I was at a festival, so, okay, uh, but, Two years ago, I was at a festival in the Florida Keys in March. So in theory, anywhere else in the country, March, you shouldn't have to worry about overheating, heat stroke, any of that stuff, in theory. But the Florida Keys, different animal. About as, yeah. So I was at this festival, and I was just sitting backstage with the musicians, mm -hmm. and I passed out from heat stroke. And, like, we were under a right. tent with, like, air blowing through and it was still so damn hot that I passed out from heat stroke and they're like yeah so like just to piggyback off that like just yeah and well that's a great example and you weren't even in the big crowd yeah right so it's yeah and I think it's worth thinking about it. I think it's good that I mean the pandemic is bad and shitty and we don't want that yeah. but it is again you got to try and we try to look at, at silver linings and all this kind of stuff it's creating some conversations that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Yep, absolutely. Um, which, which I think are good, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I don't want to keep you too much longer because it is Friday night, even if it is in the middle of a pandemic, you know. <laughs> uh, so what's, like, you're getting ready to track new music this weekend. Yeah. Um, are you just doing vocals, or, like, what's the plan for the weekend as far as, like, uh, This weekend's drunk. Drums? We're at the very beginning of the process. Okay. Yeah. We got the bed tracks are done, like the, the kind of the demo stuff that we're going to track along to. Um, drums this weekend, maybe bass, depending on how far we get into it. Uh -huh. um, and then we'll be getting on to everything else. Vocals is last. Yeah. Um, almost always. The only time, a few times I've tracked like the guitar solos after vocals, because maybe I want to get some stuff that kind of plays with the melody. Yeah. But even then, nine times out of ten, 99 times out of 100, yeah. vocals will come very last. So but, but the process, we'll be, get the drums on there, get the bass, get at least the guts of the guitar so that we know what we want to do with the keys. Because um, we treat the keys very much like the rhythm guitar section, honestly. Um, and, uh, and try to make them really complementary to each other. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I'll, we'll do the keys and then I have to go back and I change guitar stuff. And I'm like, okay, this thing I was doing on the guitar sounds better on a keyboard um, or better in strings or what have you. Um, but get those on there and then uh, guitar solos and any extra percussion or effects and things like that. And then, and then vocals. And part of that is also the vocal process is a lot longer. Um, sure. It's, you know, I can uh, play my guitar for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and be okay, right? Not gonna hurt myself or anything like that. You can't say the same thing about a vocal tape. Sure. You can, singers like our, again, we do three hour shows, but that is not the same thing as John go sing this line 
10 times, 10 different ways so that we can see what we like, right? And then do that for every single part of a song. And, and John, John talked about this a lot of times, actually, in some of the interviews that he's done. Um, performing is a marathon. Recording is, is a, a series of sprints. It's go really intense for a, a take and then hit stop, and then intense for a take and stop. You're not even making it the length of a song usually, right? Yep. Um, sure. So even staying warmed up becomes, can become a problem. Um, so vocals, and on top of that, vocals is so important to, to all of the music that it, if nothing else, the vocals have got to be right and have got to sound good. So you don't want to force it. So the second that I, I have any indication that John or Shell or the guy do backing vocals and stuff too, that we're getting tired, you just stop and you come back. And again, that's one of the nice things about how we're doing it now is that there have been times where when you've got a deadline, not that I'm unhappy with any of the vocal takes or anything, but I'm sure it is entirely possible that uh, maybe some of them I would have wanted to redo if I didn't know that I had to put the record out in two months. Yeah. or something right mm -hmm. um so it's it's nice to have that that freedom at the moment for sure yeah absolutely absolutely so first off i want to thank you all so much for giving us the time to sit down and chat i really appreciate it um sure. where can everybody find you online find all your new music it's everywhere yeah i mean the best place to go dallyvangomusic.com um, from there, you can reach all of our social media. But if you look up Dally Van Gogh, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Spotify, uh, we're on YouTube, we're on everything that we can possibly think of. Um, as I said earlier, we're thinking about getting a TikTok. So if you guys want us to do a TikTok, comment it below. And if you get enough of them, maybe we'll go make the damn thing. Um, start learning those fans. Yeah, start doing the do, 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 do. do. Um, but, your music sync placement on TikTok. That would be. Yeah, and that's a thing now for the record. Our our music is in is is among the uh, the sync options on TikTok right now. Okay. So if you you can find us if you want to do a dance to one of our songs, we're on TikTok. Boneyard <laughs> is on TikTok. Nice. Um, you can find it in the in the the sound banks or what have you. Um, we are we distribute through um CD Baby. Okay. Um, and so which are many you know piles of indie bands do. Um, but but recently they added um, TikTok, and we're also getting sync uh, royalties from Facebook now, which nice. is brand new. Nice. Uh, which is really exciting again, especially with the way the music video is going and stuff. It's like, hey, wouldn't it be cool to actually make money off of our music for a change? <laughs> I gotta try um, and figure out how to work with Facebook so that I could take our we are live stream back to Facebook because they passed that new law where if you yeah. do something that's like a musical experience, they can go. Yeah, that's, that's the issue. Music videos and things like that are fine, mm -hmm. but things like, like, like your live, your, we are live stream, which I love. I, I tune in all the time to it. Yeah. I don't know how that works now. And I was thinking about that earlier today. That's hard to figure out. Yeah. Um, so I wish you all the best and, and good luck. Yeah, sure. I, honestly, I'm contemplating even from YouTube switching over to Twitch because Twitch has got like this huge mm -hmm. music. Thing. Seriously, though, it, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I endorse that idea for sure. Yes. Um, and to circle back to something we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, the name of the ACDC compilation DVD is Plug Me In. Plug Me In? Okay, cool. Yeah, plug Me In. 
and the um, I will I, have to look it up for sure. Yeah, yeah. the uh, and the uh, Thunderstruck performance was from two thousand and three in Circus Krone, Munich, Munich, Munich. That's so random. I know it is. I I was just sitting here. I was like, oh, they have the set list down here too, and I'm like. Yep, I knew it had to be like 2003, four somewhere in that ballpark. So they couldn't have done like Rock and Reel, yeah, or something for that one. Like it's their, it's arguably their biggest song. Yeah, <laughs> and they just picked. I mean, not that Munich's a small town or something, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not. It, it, it's not Rock and Reel. It's not Monsters of Rock. It's not Donington. Yeah, right. It's not Coachella. It, it's not. It's not like one of their iconic shows. It's like yeah. You know, it, and like just kind of quickly looking at this, it's like they've got, I think, one song from Donington on there. And so it's like, why couldn't it? Just put uh, more. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, for, I could make a case that if you're wanting to do their best take, takes of songs, you could just put the Donington DVD there. Yeah. Like uh, maybe not every song, but there's, there's an argument we had. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, once again, thank you all for sticking through all those BS technical issues we had. Oh, it's all time. good. Thank you so much, Tom. This has been thank great. Thank you, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And once again, thank you all so much. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we will catch you guys later.